Welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we talk about Blizzard and its many games. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm hosting this week. Uh, with me is my fantastic co-host, Ann Stickney. Uh, what you been up to, Ann? Hi. I'm feeling a little under the weather today, so I apologize if there are any awkward pauses. That's me muting my microphone so that I can cough violently because I don't know what I've come down with, but it's kind of gross. Um, it feels like that we're having that spring period where everything seems to come out of the woodwork and everybody gets sick or has allergies or something yeah this isn't allergies this is something else i don't know what it's just like a sinus thing and coughing a lot of coughing i'm kind of annoyed by it but okay whatever it is what it is anyway oddly enough have not played a lot of warcraft this week um just because i've been like busy with other stuff around the house and things like that and i haven't had a lot of time for gaming and then the gaming that i have had time for um I'm really, for whatever reason, getting into uh, playing the retro stuff. So right now I've been playing, replaying Final Fantasy VI, otherwise known as Final Fantasy III. Um, the, it originally came out on the Super Nintendo, but it's like available for um, mobile now. You can get it on like iPad and things like that. So that I've been like playing that. Remastered or something. Um, no. With Final Fantasy VI, they did not remaster it. Um, Final Fantasy IV, that was the other one that I was playing. That one they remastered and they put in voice work and stuff. There's no voice work with VI. Um, it's very much still the original game, and I'm kind of surprised the story still holds up, and it's just a really well-written game for a little, you know, 32-bit, whatever, RPG, old school. The story's still really good. It's just a really good, it's really well written and it still gets to that midpoint where you think it's the end, but it's not. <laughs> and I remember when I first played it, we got to that midpoint, me and my brother and sister, we got to that midpoint and we're like, wow, that was a really short game. And then all heck broke loose. <laughs> yeah, so, Final yeah. Fantasy VI kind of started that whole thing. Like A lot of JRPG type games ended up trying to relive that magic that whole yeah. idea of the sudden midterm switch. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, it worked really well. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what I've been playing when I've had time to play that in animal crossing. But I mean, I'm always playing animal crossing in one way or another. So yeah, I've actually been playing. I mean, I have played Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which everybody knows I'm going to be playing. So that we won't bother you with that. But I have actually been playing a lot of wow again because I got really into my cult warrior and I've been leveling her. I hit 80 last night. Nice. Um, yeah, and the cool thing about hitting 80 is it opens up all the Mists of Pandaria and uh, Cataclysm transmog, so I suddenly have a lot more options. And of course, that is what's important to me. <laughs> I freely admit this. Um, I, I, one of the things I noticed is that I never finished a zone in, in either Wrath or BC. I didn't finish a single zone. And in fact, I didn't, really? even, leave, I didn't even leave the starting zones. Like I, I, spent, I went through and did about... Uh, two-thirds of Boreal Tundra, and I'd say I did about half of of uh, Hellfire Peninsula. Maybe more than half. It's and then you moved tell. on? And then I was 80. Oh, wow. Just those two zones. like Just alternating between those two zones got me to 80. Um, part of the problem is that I did run... I ran a dungeon a night. Like, and okay. I, every level I would run in one dungeon. Um, and that would be enough because the questing in the dungeon is usually enough to pop you over. Yeah, I I usually, I skipped, I think the last one that I leveled all the way to max was my Nightborn because I wanted the heritage armor and I didn't do any dungeons. I did no dungeons. I just did questing because I wanted to do the questing, but yeah, I can see where that would kind of bump you farther. That's weird though, that it was like 
maybe one it, full zone and then you were done. If I if I think if I'd stayed and just done um, Hellfire, I would have gotten like a third of the way into Zangor Marsh and I would have been done with VC and I would never have had to go to Wrath at all. Or vice versa, if I'd stayed in Borean... If I'd just done all Borean Tundra, I think I would have leveled to 80 just in Borean Tundra. I um, ended up... When I was leveling, like, prior to the whole leveling revamp and everything else, I didn't do Blade's Edge or Netherstorm. What I would do was I would typically... I would go to Hellfire Peninsula. I would do all of that. I would do a few quests in Zangermarsh like enough to get me to the level to go do Nagrand. And then I just go to Nagrand because Nagrand is one of the most visually appealing zones. Like I just, I think it's really pretty. Green Hills, everything else. So I would go do Nagrand. And by the time I finished Nagrand, I was ready to move on into whatever came next. And this time around, I deliberately did Blade's Edge and Netherstorm because it had been so long since I'd done either one of those things um, that I just, I missed the stories. And I couldn't remember all of the stories. <laughs> I remembered most of it. So yeah, I, I mean, I think it's weird though that like you just did Hellfire Peninsula and a dungeon and you were done. Well, I mean, I was doing Hellfire Peninsula and Borean Tundra at the same time. Like I would oh, switch okay. between them. Okay. But I didn't finish either of them. No. And and I'm done. I'm done with both Wrath and BC now. Like even if I'd stayed in one of those zones and completely polished it off, I don't. I mean, maybe I would have gotten like Borean Tundra and then a little bit of Dragonblade and then I would have been done because that's what ended up really happening. I didn't finish either of the starting zones. So, yeah, I'm I not sure what's up, up with that. I think the only thing that I really did with Wrath content was because I, I leveled through Burning Crusade, right? By the time I finished Another Storm, I was 80 and ready to move on. But instead, I went to um, Ice Crown. Because I wanted to do the creepy child quest. Yeah, that would make sense. I, I yeah. go back. I it was just, back. it was one of those quests that I really enjoyed. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to go do this real quick I only before did, I move yeah, on. <laughs> yeah, I only did Borean Tundra because I wanted to see if how my uh, cult here and at giant sized, how close she looked to a Vrykel. And certainly certain elements of it were the same. But I honestly feel like they built this character skeleton on a Pandaren. Um, yeah, they probably did. Yeah, looking yeah. at the way it moves, I think they built him on Pandaren, which is fine. I love her. She's great. She is the, super entertaining. Um, Watch yeah, your microphone. Should... I think you hit your beard yeah, or something. Yeah, that was me. Sorry about that, guys. It's we should good. probably actually talk about some news stories, though, because some stuff has been happening even just today. Yeah. Um, first up, we should talk about this one because it's kind of a big deal. Um, PC Gamer did an interview with uh, Ian Hazakostas, who's the great game director of, of World of Warcraft. Uh, Watcher, if you want to know, you know the the forum name they give him. Ian, he's the uh, one that does all the Q and A's. Yeah, um, it was interesting for a couple of reasons. One is that they, they talked about what's coming in in patch eight point two, um, specifically about how they're going to change Azerite armor and the the Heart of Azeroth. The Heart of Azeroth is going to get a revamp where it actually has traits that you level up. And, sort of um, like your artifact weapon in Legion. Sort of, yeah, sort of like that. Uh, or sort of like how Azerite armor has worked up to this point. The other change is that when you get a piece of Azerite armor, you don't have to have the Heart of Azeroth at a certain level to unlock all its traits anymore. They will just be unlocked. Oh, that's great. And yeah, I, I think they, they thought behind it. He talked about the thought behind it and why they did the system the way they did. And, and he actually admitted um, there's an actual admission that they didn't really test it enough and that they really should have put it on the PTR sooner and gotten more player feedback because one of the things he talked about was that when they made the um, the artifacts, 
all the choice was really up front, like in the first month or two of playing with the artifact. And then after that, it was just dumping more Azerite, you know, like whatever like artifact power. You were dumping more artifact power into it to just make it stronger. Like you just made it stronger and made it stronger. And yeah, it wasn't really I mean, a choice. The leveling experience was they made the leveling experience kind of interesting because the leveling experience was kind of, okay, where am I going to put my points? What would I like the most first? But then once you got to max level, everybody maxed out all the traits on their artifact weapon. At some point, everything was maxed out on that artifact weapon and it was just like everybody else's. Yeah. And that's one of the things that they, he, he, he upfront said people didn't complain about it, but they were looking into how it was down the road and what it would be like if that system lasted longer. And so they wanted to try and make a system this time that gave people more choice down the road. But the problem was, is it ended up feeling gated and forced and people were like, okay, now I can't figure out which one to use. I don't know which trade is better. I've got to go to another site. There were a lot of problems with it that didn't come out on the beta or that, you know, they didn't have enough testing to really get a grip on. And I, I think that's In a way, a I point. think it's kind of the same, kind of, but not quite the same ish. You remember when we used to be able to like, um, oh my gosh, reforging when we used to yes. be able to reforge everything and it was always you'd get a new piece of gear and then you'd tab out of the game to go look at a site and figure out what the best way to reforge it was. <laughs> yeah, or you'd or have you, an or... add-on that would tell you <laughs> which way was the best way and it was always really complex and you, you couldn't just get yeah, yeah, you couldn't just get a piece of armor and slap it on and be good. There was there was more that you had to do with it before and you were never really sure if it was actually an upgrade because the reforging might make it better, but it might not. It, it, it's kind of like that level of complexity. And yeah, it's it's different complexity, but it's definitely that that problem of having to figure out, OK, uh, this guy drops a piece of gear that is statistically an upgrade, but it won't actually be an upgrade for me because its artifact trait isn't as good as the trait I have on the gear I have now. Right. Plus, when I get it, it won't be unlocked fully, whereas the piece I have now is fully unlocked. And so, the eye level yeah. has nothing to do with any of this. Like, it could be a higher eye level, but a worse piece of gear yeah, because, because the traits the don't right line trait. up. And yeah, yeah it, it's just, it's it's overly confusing. And reforging was... Yeah, anything they can do to make this less complicated is a good thing in my in my opinion. The thing is, is like um, I liked reforging. I liked the idea behind reforging. I liked being able to kind of modify and customize my own gear in that manner. I thought that was pretty yeah. cool. It was just a super complex process. And well, what can, the problem was is I think the problem with reforging was again the problem this time too, in uh -huh. that. The the idea behind it is great, but play you don't know what players are going to do with it until you give it to them and right. let them take it out for a spin. Because we didn't end up using reforging the way they intended. They intended no. reforging was like, well, tank pants dropped, but I'm not a tank, but I can still use them because I can reforge some of the defense off or whatever. Because I didn't think defense was a thing, but I can I can reforge the tank stats off, and now it's it's DPS pants. It's still better than what I had, so it's still good. But instead, what we were was like, I don't like haste. I do love crit. I'm going to reforge everything I'm to going crit. to stack as much mastery as I possibly can <laughs> the yeah, like, staying thing. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was a crit stacking machine in Cataclysm because that's what reforging let me do. And it was the best DPS option. It was, you know? and it was like, so good at endgame too because when you started getting that high level raid gear 
and refor and tank you were just like this unstoppable god it was so great but and, at the same time something... needlessly complex <laughs> yeah, and i think you your point about reforging does apply to this too and i do i hope that's what the, whatever they do with the traits on the necklace i hope they manage to come up with a way to make it interesting long term without making it something where i'm like spending months and months of time just trying if to they get make to the it last something thing. i think that is more akin to how the artifact weapon system worked because the thing is is like i know and and he said in this interview you know he he said that they never really got any complaints about it well no you didn't get any complaints about it because honestly that artifact weapon system worked pretty well it, it wasn't it wasn't that it was bad or anything like that. And I guess, yeah, over over time, maybe it would have gotten a little boring or a little stale. But we didn't get to the point where it got boring or stale because they came out with Battle for Azeroth before we got to that level. Yeah, I think there's a certain amount of, as designers, they see something that would be a problem and they're right, it would be a problem. But it's not going to be because this isn't a permanent system. He even made a point uh, later in the interview, which is another thing I think should be pointed out, that they've been shying away from permanent additions to the game for a yeah. while now. Yeah. Um, and maybe they've been shying away from it too much. Like they've been they're constantly putting in systems like artifacts or the the uh, garrison or what have you that they know aren't going to be here next expansion. And thus they don't have to worry about it's like what will get, happen if I have to keep this. It's like each expansion comes out with one special little bonus thing that's there for the life of that expansion. And then it goes away. And that kind of started in Mists of Pandaria with the legendary. Cause we had that legendary that was that expansion long quest where we upgraded all kinds of stuff. We had the gems and then we got the cloaks eventually at the end and then it all went away. And when we jumped into Warlords, we had the garrisons and we built the garrisons up until they were like this big thing that was supposed to be fantastic. But it ended up being this place that we sat and we rotted for the entire... Okay, I'm not going to go into that. But at the end of Warlords, that went away. And then we jumped into Legion and we had these artifact weapons and that built up and up and up and then it went away. And it is a pattern. It's a pattern that they're doing and I acknowledge that it's a pattern and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing for them to do. Like no, each expansion should have like a little bonus thing. But I think it's point though that it's cons that it, that conservatism is kind of like affecting the way they make design changes and yeah. it kept them from it yeah. kept them from really seeing what was going on with the with the Azerite armor and the heart of Azeroth. I, I think that's interesting and it's a it's a good thing for them to keep in mind. That's one of the reasons that, that he's right. They do need to get stuff out on the beta faster because the, as game designers, they're always going to be very aware of decisions and options and creative things that the players aren't necessarily thinking about because we're, we're yeah. busy trying to play it. We don't necessarily care that, well, if we keep this for another few months, we'll have to make some changes. We don't care. Well, we and I think the out. other thing that he pointed out, and it's something that I've always, it's not, I haven't had a problem with it necessarily, but it's been one of those things. And in Warlords, it was very apparent. When you play through the beta, typically speaking, the beta, you get uh, an encapsulated version of the leveling experience, but you don't really see what the end game experience is going to be like. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And in Warlords, that was dramatically apparent because we loved the idea of warlords going into it that leveling experience was fantastic and we were all pumped about it and then you hit the end game and it all just evaporated 
And yeah, because there was nothing going on. There was a the garrison quest line that they kind of borrowed from. <laughs> Did we see any of this in beta, though? Did we see any of this no. in beta? No, because no. and... beta wasn't beta was a series of them rebooting us and making us level through the same zones over and over again as they were reiterating things, which we didn't mind because leveling was fantastic. But we never really got to the point where we got to max level and got to play with that end game content or lack thereof and see what was available. It just it never came up. Yeah, so, and it's yeah. definitely it's it's definitely affected the game since. Like you, you they. They definitely feels like they've taken that lesson to heart, but it does feel like a lesson they had to learn the hard way because they didn't get enough of it on Ooh, the beta. Did time. they ever? But Legion was fantastic. It was just beautifully done. So I mean, kudos to them. I Warlords. I was so unhappy with Warlords, but Legion, like beyond. I mean, it eclipsed. Uh, Mists of Pandaria was my favorite expansion for like the longest time, and Legion in like the last couple of patches managed to eclipse it. And I think they're kind of tied for first place right now, just because I still really liked Mist of Pandaria's aesthetic, and I liked the storyline from it. But Legion is just right up there along with it because they were both they were both great. Anyway, yeah. There's actually more in the interview, but I mean we can't just sit here and talk about the interview all day, or otherwise we'll just be reiterating it's a really good interview Uh, but it it does talk i think it's worth going to look at it though because one of the things they one point they made is that the ptr is coming this month uh the the 8.2 ptr yeah so it's gonna happen this month there will be stuff spoilers out for the the next patch there will be stuff testing out those raids and that the new dungeon uh in mechagon and the new zones yeah, two new zones, both world zones. Keep in mind that it's like Argus all over again, where this is two big zones that, that are completely I, disconnected, but you'll be exploring them. I am so really, really, really looking forward to Nazjatar. I Anything Azjara related, I've been waiting so long. So long. I can't Baby wait Naga to see. Pet. I can't wait to see what's going on. Okay. Yeah. But, but to move on to another big patch that's coming fairly soon... Um, Diablo 3 is getting patch uh, 2.6.5 on the PTR soon because, uh, among other things, it's testing the new season of Nightmares. Uh, okay. That's the next season. I still... The the bonus from this is just boggling to me. So just go over this for people. The, the bonus for this season... Remember last season's uh, season of, of Grandeur was the, the best received season they've ever done, even more than the Treasure Goblin one. Um, so they're like, okay, people like that. And I that. didn't think that they could another. beat the Treasure Goblin one, but they did. Well, they yeah. did. Everyone loved it. So people had suggested to them that they take the set bonus off of the Legacy of the Nightmares set and make that just the, the bonus for this season. And they're like, yeah, that's a good idea. We'll give that a shot. Um, the, the, the bonus here is that uh, for the, the thing that will be applied just for every season character is for every uh, ancient legendary you have – for every single one, even if it's a set piece or what have you, as long as you don't have any other set bonuses than this bonus, you'll get 750% damage boost and 4% re- reduced damage taken. So if you know every slot was an ancient legendary, you'd be looking at something like... Um, you know, thirty five hundred percent bonus damage. An obscene and, damage boost. Yeah. Like this and, is and crazy. Damage boost is high, but that's not even that's not even as crazy as the damage reduction. Yeah. It's that because that four percent per piece, that could easily end you up to something like twenty, twenty five, you know, thirty percent damage reduction. Uh and that's 
crazy good for like pushing greater rifts. And but unkillable the, the, whirlwind of death. And the, the, the downside is you won't have any other set bonuses. Yeah. You can't have any. So that changes your meta pretty substantial. It's like, when is it worth it to lose? Like, here's an example that I used because I play mostly barbarians and crusaders. My, my barbarian has a set bonus for called the wrath of the waste set. It's a six, the six piece set bonus, which means I have to wear all six pieces of the set gives me 10,000% bonus damage on whirlwind, but just on whirlwind. So as long as I'm whirlwind build, that set bonus is better. But if I decide I want to go with a different build, you're now altering the meta on, okay, what if I want to have a build that's more about different types of, because you can spec your character different ways. What if I don't want to use Whirlwind? What, or what if I want to use Whirlwind, but I also want to use um, Hammer of the Ancients? Do I want 10,000% damage bonus on just one of those? Or do I want to get like 3,500% you know, more damage on both of them? Which means I'll be doing less damage on Whirlwind, but I'll be doing more damage overall. Not just on both of them, on all of your and abilities. All of your damage dealing you do. abilities. Everything that you're doing. And so you'll be getting the damage reduction, which is often really useful when trying to push greater rifts. Um, when you're trying to push your greater rift up to a certain point, you start taking a lot of damage because your gear is just not up to the your gear's not high enough or your paragon's not high enough. And, and you know, this is the kind of decision that can make or break pushing a level, getting more paragon, getting more items. Um, the thing is, is because it uses ancient legendaries, it's not a bonus you're going to see until much later. Yeah. As opposed to the ring, the ring of grandeur one, you saw that one immediately. As soon as you started getting legendaries at all, um, you started getting that one. Cause it basically said, you know, you get set bonuses, you you know, if you're trying to get a set bonus, you'll get it with one less piece. So by about mid fifties, you were, you were feeling that one. Whereas this one, you are not going to feel it till you are pushing torment levels. Um, which does to me say that they might be keeping this season around longer than previous ones. Cause the season of grandeur ended up being longer than they expected as well. So I think they may be trying to, dis- they people may were decided- really enjoying it. I, the only reason I play Diablo three, when I play Diablo three, it's because I want some kind of stress relief and smushing demons into a fine paste is the best way to do it. That's why I play that game is because destruction is really fun, <laughs> especially yeah, and... in a game environment that is designed around making that as viscerally enjoyable as possible. Like even just stepping on bugs, there's like a certain amount of satisfaction to the squish. You know what I mean? So yeah, this, I... this bonus and all of this stuff that's going in with it really plays into the reason that I enjoy playing Diablo three. I just, it, it looks really cool to me. Yeah, it just comes down to when you've got enough ancients to make it worth doing. Eventually, you will. That's just because that's the other thing. This is the thing I think is really important. They're adding a lot of quality of life changes. Uh, for instance, they're adding five new stash tabs. Just everyone gets five more stash tabs because at this point, a lot of us are, you know, we've got a lot of stuff in our stash and we need more. Yes, it's just the way of it. Um, so that's great. Uh, I'm I'm totally on board with that. They're also adding three new Paragon levels up to Paragon sixteen. Really? Um, yeah. Huh, so, okay. the, I'm not paragon. Sorry, torment. I meant the word torment. There. Oh. Three new torment levels up to torment sixteen. My apologies. Paragons up to several hundred. I that was weird. I don't know why I screwed up those words. But yeah, I got what you were levels. saying, even though you used the wrong word. It's fine. <laughs> but the they... thing about that, the inflation of the torment levels, implies to me that they know that this is a set bonus that really requires. This is a bonus they're giving characters that really requires more ancients to make it worth doing. And they fully intend for people to get more ancients 
by letting them boost up higher torment levels and push higher greater rifts. Um, I, I'm interested in seeing how this works out on the PTR because this PTR will only be one week long. That's what oh, they're that's doing. It? Yeah, the Diablo PTR is the last couple. They've deliberately put them in for one week and that's it. And it's an intensive shakedown. They throw in everybody. It's not like, you know, it's not like a slow rollout with the occasional stress test. It's like this PTR is a stress test from beginning to end. Uh, go ahead, try to break it. They they are like, try and break this. Abuse it. Show us where it's going to be messed up. Um, the thing is, is that. I think they can get away with doing that with Diablo because the changes that they make are kind of like, particularly, you know, with the season stuff, it's just an across the board thing and you don't really have to worry about like, tweaking balances or anything like that there's not there's not as much there to deal with as there is in in games with like mmos and things like that where you've got multiple players playing multiple classes all together sometimes against each other working together plus i mean the thing with diablo is even if like say barbarians aren't as strong as crusaders yeah it doesn't really matter all that much unless you're pushing like the highest level content because yeah. you, you'll play what you like and it doesn't really matter if you might be better on another character if you never play it or never see it. You know, Diablo is yeah. a game that has a single player component to it. Even Or if you play it in groups, it's you and your friends and your friends aren't going to tell you to reroll. Uh, again, no. unless you're one of those very rare groups that is pushing the highest level content, which people are doing. But it's not the, the vast majority of Diablo players might not even get up to Torment 16. It's not something they necessarily will play, but it's nice to have for people who want it. Right. I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. I'm interested in seeing where this one goes. But honestly, just from looking at it and looking how they're how they're setting it up, this looks like it might even beat last season in terms of fun level. Although, yeah, Grandeur was pretty great. I mean, I'm interested in seeing how it works when people are like, you know, making the when people are actually hitting the break point where the ancient legendaries are more appealing than sets. Um, Cause you're going to get a set doing, you know, the season journey, you're going to get a set as you level up. So there will come a point where you've like, I got enough ancient legendaries. Now uh, I can just wear those. I don't need the set bonus at all. And that's going to be interesting to see. I am, I am, I'm very interested in seeing how this shakes out and what it, what it means for future seasons, because I honestly feel like at this point, the way Diablo has been iterated, even if we get a Diablo four announcement this year, we're not going to see Diablo four for a few years. So, but it's this okay because is... Diablo three is still fun. I mean, you don't get a lot of news out there about Diablo three, but it's still a great game. <laughs> I honestly feel like the, this is a step that's being taken towards extending the life of the game and making it something that they could, you know, keep you you could keep playing for another few years. Stuff like more tabs, more torment levels. It's more stuff to do ultimately. So yeah, um, I guess we could move on from that because that's we've yeah. probably covered that enough. Uh, yeah. Next thing I, we're going to talk about because it's the thing on the email here was um basically I don't know if you guys care I, I don't know how, how many people are really interested in Warcraft and Warcraft Two I I am interested like this so this <laughs> news, this news caught me off guard and I was like what it's uh, pretty both, cool both Warcraft the original Warcraft and Warcraft Two um and these are complete collections they're all the expansions to both of those games uh, are going to be on they're they're already there they're on GOG.com. Um, right now and the 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 uh, original warcraft is just a straight up port it's nothing it's just adapted to work better on modern computers because there was no multiplayer really 
uh, for the original Warcraft, or at least no Battle.net war multiplayer. It was just, you know, if you wanted to play a multiplayer, I think it was just land stuff. Yep. But Warcraft 2 had Battle.net support, so they've got yes. two versions of Warcraft 2. Um, one is a Battle.net compliant one, which is basically just the original game, just made a few changes so it runs okay on com- current computers, and that's it. And then they have an optimized version that can be scaled, you know, scaled out to 4K, uh, slightly slightly smoother graphics. It's still basically the same game. It's just a little bit nicer. Yeah, these bit, aren't yeah. these aren't remasters. It's not graphically speaking like they didn't upgrade anything that way. It's not it's not like a remaster or a remake or anything like that. It's just a re-release. But they've yeah. been engineered that they will work on like current computer systems, which is great. I can tell you right now, I have Warcraft 2 Beyond the Dark Portal on my bookshelf. I have attempted to install it and run it on my computer. It doesn't work. No, um, it won't work. It, you have to have it, an emulator. Well, you had to have an emulator. I don't even know with Windows 10 if the emulators will work with it. I haven't looked into it because I haven't gone back to play those at any point recently. But yeah, you had to have like an emulator that would run it because it just it wouldn't it straight up wouldn't install on, on computer is too powerful. Yeah, like, like like I got it installed on my two computers ago now. And it installed, but my, my, my crappy little laptop from back then was too good for it. Like it was just running it at like, it was running it so fast that I couldn't do anything. It was like just watching orcs, you know, sprint across the map and then (laughs) the plate would be over. So (laughs) they've made it so it runs at current speeds and it, it runs fine and you can play it. And that's, that's all they've really done, but that's, that's actually really cool. Um, I I know they're doing Warcraft three reforged, and I hope desperately. I hope they do a Diablo two uh, re- remaster at some point. I but, would be totally on board for that. Yeah, um, but it's cool to see like the original Diablo and now the original Warcraft and Warcraft two somewhere where you can get them, download them, and play them. And that's the cool thing is you can just download them. Yeah, it, it does, you don't need any discs or anything. You can just download the game and play it. And it's not a big download because you know. It, it's a game from like almost 20 years ago. It's they're they're relatively be. small games for all that is in them. They're relatively small games. Um, it's kind of interesting to see those old games come out. I still, there's still a part of me that wants to, I, I still want to see them remaster it and maybe put it out for like mobile or something like that. Cause I think that's a game that could translate to mobile and do so pretty effectively. But I, I would love some kind of remastered uh, compilation of all of the RTS games. Yeah, but it's just yeah they did they did StarCraft remastered a while back and that was really well done. So at the same time, I, I, I would, would still like brand new games and not just remastered versions of old games. So if yes, that's what that's they're true. focusing on, you know, we're okay with that. It's just it's one of those wistful, huh? Wouldn't it be nice if <laughs> you know? In a perfect world where they can yeah. make every game anytime they want, uh, yeah. yeah it's, it, it, but it, yeah, it's definitely something that's interesting to see them do, and it's an interesting. Just, I kind of hope they. There's other games that they put out that they haven't done in years. They're like, um, like Blackthorn or you know, Rock and Roll Racing or The Lost Vikings. I'd love to see those on GOG. Like, let's let's get all the old stuff out there. Let's get it all where it can be played. Can't At this you, point, it's like can't decent. you play those like on the Blizzard Arcade through? I thought that there was a way to play those. I thought they released Maybe a way they... to play those. Maybe I think Blackthorn had one, but I don't know about Lost Vikings. I'm pretty sure Blackthorn had one because I remember firing it up. And I think uh, Lost Vikings had one too, but that was pre-Windows 10. So I don't even know if that's still an option or not. But yeah, uh, Blackthorn is entertaining. 
Um, Blackthorn is very much the, the a game of the time period in which it was made. Yes. So, yeah. It is so much that. And then Lost Vikings was one of those games that it still holds up as a good puzzle game. And you don't think of it as a puzzle game, but it's totally a puzzle game. I My mother really loved playing Lost Vikings. She thought it was fantastic. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, moving on to another little story. Uh, again, this is a Heroes of Storm, Heroes of the Storm story, but it's also kind of a Diablo story, kind of a little bit if you squint. Um, the Chaldeum Complex is coming out. If you yep. guys have seen this, it's the the weird. We talked about these character skins before, the hero skins that are like weird and and the cyberpunk kind of yeah. yeah. It's now officially called Chaldeum Complex, and it's basically like what if Chaldeum was a was a mega city from you know cyberpunk. And it has the various um, characters in their cyberpunky guises, um, like like uh, the the monk Karasim. I think his name's Karasim. I can honestly never remember that guy's name. Karasim uh, and yeah. the butcher and Chromie and Lucio. Yeah, the Lucio one is actually really cool. Quite frankly, I I, I like the Lucio one. I think that's one of my favorites, but uh, the Chromie one is still. I think the Chromie one is still top-notch for me. Um, the way the Chaldeum Complex works, it's going to use quests to unravel a story that was established in the trailer. The trailer is crazy, and you should go look at it online right now. It's pretty yeah. great. Um, yeah. There's four different factions. They're repped with four different colors for each quest, and you have to recruit them one by one for better prizes. So there's like there's a lot more going on with this event than you would immediately think right off the bat. And if nothing else it shows that heroes of the storm yeah they're still developing content and they're still developing things and they're still releasing things so people that were worried that you know the game was just going to be left to rot um no that's not the case at all they're still they're still doing new stuff for it um it's similar to when they didn't when they decided not to do another expansion for diablo 3 after reaper of souls they still have been making Diablo this whole time. There's still new content coming out. I mean, all the they're time still doing the seasons and everything else. I... Yeah, it's just they shifted focus, and I think that's it's becoming clear that's what they did with Heroes, where they they shifted people off of it, but they didn't didn't shutter it. The game studio is still making stuff for it. It's still in development. Yep. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, that event is running through April 30th, so you've pretty much got all months to play around with it if you want to play with it. Okay, I think that pretty much covers news for the day. Um, If we want to talk about any emails, we kind of have to start talking about them. So um, if you guys have an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch so we know it's for this show. Um, We like to talk about, you know, pretty much any any Blizzard game you're going to talk about. So feel free to ask us about any of them. Uh, Ann usually reads them for us, so if you don't mind, Ann. Okay, first one is from Zazlo, who's a goblin hunter on Warm Rest Accord, who says, Hello! I love playing on RP servers. Good, because you're on Warm Rest Accord, so that makes sense. And then they continue. But I've never actually RP'd, just seeing other people do it makes the world feel a little more real and more alive. I want to dip my toes into RPing myself, but I don't know how. I came up with a cool backstory for my little goblin hunter, but I don't just go up to random people and start talking, right? How do I actually start engaging in RP? Thanks, Zazlo. Um, well, kind of, that's how you do it. But um, I would recommend right off the bat, if you don't have one already, get yourself a role-playing add-on. Uh, there's plenty of them out there. I use Total RP3. 
it basically what it is is it's an add-on where you can put your backstory into the game like it gives you a little profile pane where you can fill that out and everything but it also allows you to when you're selecting other players see if they have a role-playing profile and what what's on it that's the easiest way to identify whether somebody is actually a role player or not on a role playing server because you know just because you're on a role playing server it doesn't mean that you're role playing and you're not obligated to role play on a role playing server you you can just go there to chill hang out whatever as long as you aren't like you know griefing people or anything but it's easier to have that kind of point of reference where if you can look at somebody and kind of get a quick snapshot of hey if i walk up to this person in character and say something are they going to respond or not? <laughs> if they have a role-playing profile, nine times out of ten, yeah, they're going to go ahead and respond to you. Um, and it may seem a little bit intimidating going up to random people and starting to talk, but that's exactly how you do it. Honestly, just go talk to people. Um, the other thing that you might want to do is check out your realm forums. Um, I'm not sure about Wormrest Accord. I haven't checked out the forums on Wormrest in a while, but usually they have a list of role-playing guilds and things like that that people can join, um, and you can look through those. If you're in a role-playing guild, then you've automatically got a big group of people that you can role-play with. They're all there. I, yeah, do you have anything to add to that? <laughs> well, I mean, I was going to say, you can also check the forums for things like server events. If you know that everybody's like, say you know there's an in in character uh, Argent tournament thing happening in in like Ice Crown, you can go there knowing that people will be receptive to your role playing because that's what the event is. So you don't have to worry about you know it's not just you walking up to random people. It's everybody is here for this purpose. So you can ease your toe in that way. Um, I actually found one of the when I when I role played more and I don't currently role play that much, but when I did role play. Um, <clears throat> I used to go on raids that were like set up for it. Like we would be raiding and we would be role playing while we were raiding. And that was when I played Horde side. That was actually a lot of fun. So you might want to look to see if there's any events like that. Uh, but otherwise pretty much everything Ann said, uh, it's, it's just, it's, if you're not comfortable going up to people and talking, don't force yourself to do it. You know, nobody wants you to feel uncomfortable unless they're a jerk. Um, most role players are more than happy to, play along as long as you're not, you know, like Ian said, not griefing or not, you know, just totally doing crazy things, but they won't make you do it. You don't have to, if you don't want. Plus there's always, um, one of the things that I enjoy doing, even when I'm not role-playing is I will sit around in a capital city or wherever and just read people's RP profiles because people get really creative with those things <laughs> and they're yeah, fun. Yeah. They're just fun to read. It's like, ah, okay. It's just additional reading material. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be too worried about it. Wormrest Accord is a good server too. There there are a lot of role players over on Wormrest Accord. So and if you're playing a goblin, check out Orgrimmar, but also just check out Zoldazar. Like check out the docs on Zoldazar and see if you can find anybody that's got the RP profiles. Um most people tend to RP like in capital cities as opposed to quest locations and things like that, but you can still find people with RP profiles all over the world. It's it's honestly getting that add-on is is pretty much the first step that you want to take because once you can identify who is and who isn't a role player it makes it a lot easier for you to make the decision of hey can I come up and walk to them without sounding like a complete idiot <laughs> and you aren't going to because you're on a role-playing server you're good 
Anyway, I uh, hope that answers your question. Next one is from Sivus of Dethicus, who says, Greetings, watchers. While doing Antorus achievements this weekend, I noticed dragons off in the distance of Aenar's sanctuary and a genosaur wandering around below. I was shocked I never noticed. What were you shocked to notice a while later? Rossi? Uh, I wasn't thinking about this one since I read the email in the first place, and it's one of those things where there are probably lots, but nothing is really hitting me. I think the one thing I remember uh, when you do Firelands, when, when you do the not the dun- not the raid, but the stuff leading up to it, the the you know the, the quest area, fun. yeah, yeah. Um, I remember not knowing that that uh, Alice Resort was the dragon that you would you know helped and who took took who took Frandral and just left and they were like wait no that's bad like Sarah's like that's a bad thing and I wish she hadn't done that but we'll have to worry about it later and it, it comes up later that you know she's a list resort um I didn't realize that until like the we, we're literally do you remember we went into the raid like we go, we go into the raid and we're tr- we were trying to do the achievement I think when we run around that's when i first noticed it she was up above us and i saw her name and actually thought about it because it was it's a complicated fight yeah i wasn't paying a ton of attention then it's like it it hit me wait a minute why is her name a list resort where have i seen that before (laughs) wait a minute it's that dragon why why is she why is she that why is she a big flaming bird now and so yeah i think that's gonna have to be it for me there's probably more but i can't remember them off the top of my head most of the moments of surprise that I get are from simply pointing my camera up, um, particularly in Dungeons and Raids. I always make it a point now to look at the ceiling because, um, oh gosh, what's that dungeon? The one that's out in Borean, not Borean Tundra, in Howling Fjord. Oh, Utgard Keep or Utgard Peninsula? Uh, probably Utgard Keep. Utgard you go in, you, you go into the room with all of the dragons and like the little stables and things. And I remember this in Wrath. We were in like that long room. It's that long room, and there's a bunch of there's a bunch of like um, proto drakes that are there in the little stables and things like that. And there's Rykul. If you look up, you can see the sky outside. And I never noticed that until closer to the end of Wrath. That oh, it's open air in this area. I had no idea. I thought we were just underground. Um, through the entirety of it until you came out at the end there, you know, and you went across the balcony and all that to go beat the last guy. Um, And ever since then, I've made it a point to look at ceilings because ceilings are really interesting in this game and nobody ever really takes much time to, to look at them. You don't typically look up. You're always looking down and, and you're looking at what you're trying to hit. So yeah, I, that's, I wouldn't call it shocking it's just one of those things that I actually like watch for now, just in case they hide anything up there. They haven't hidden oh. anything up there to my knowledge, but I just thought of another one. What? When you, you're doing the uh, library in Karazhan, like the first time I went in, I'm just doing Karazhan. I'm doing the fights. Oh and yeah. So forth. Yeah. And at some point I look up and I, the ceiling is gone and the place is floating in like big chunks of the place are just kind of floating in the no, in nowhere. Yeah. And there's like walls. It's like, what the is this place an MC Escher painting? What's going on? <laughs> I remember the that first was, time I noticed that, and I was like, "Whoa, okay." That was one of the things from um, Return to Karazhan that I really loved was when you hopped into um, the study, and at first you were really, really small, and everything was really big. So you're jumping on these stack like the Force perspective 
that happened because you were shrunk and then you got bigger again and all of a sudden the stacks of books are just stacks of books. I thought that was really well done. Yeah, that that is a, a good dungeon. It's a shame yeah. that it's partly... When we get Legion time walking, it'll be fun to go back. Do we yeah. have Legion time walking yet? No. We're not going to get that until like next expansion. Yeah, I wouldn't think so, but I was just... We just got Warlords time walking, so... Anyway, uh, I'm going to jump down to... Yeah, we're going to jump down to this one that was from Patreon, I believe. Who This is from Vertigree, who says, Question for Blizzard Watch Podcast. You know how Alune is the larger of Azeroth's two moons? You know how she's currently positioned to totally eclipse the sun in the entire Darkshore region in response to Tehran's rit- ritual? What would you say if I suggested the entire satellite known as Alune was a sentient Titan-adjacent structure being that can control her own orbit? Yours, Vertigree. P.S. Can you even imagine what solar shenanigans will be summoned at the soon-to-be-seen situation at Silvermoon and the Sunwell? Uh, I don't really know what to say to that. I mean, it does certainly seem... That's one of the things. It's like, is Elune, like currently eclipsing Darkshore while still orbiting the planet for everybody else? Like, Darkshore doesn't necessarily have to be following the laws of nature. It could just be a straight-up demonstration of raw Messed magical up. power here. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's possible Elune can actually be just orbiting the world while at the same time blotting out the sun. Um, I mean, for a while there, we had, you know, Argus just floating up in the sky. And, you know, no real explanation for how it could be that close. And now it's a red dot. Yeah. So these things aren't necessarily, you know, going to follow the laws of nature. I'm sure you've all seen that thing about how if a sword as big as the one Sargeras stabbed the planet with actually hit, there would have been like tidal waves and explosions and, you know, like a, it would have been like the dinosaur killing asteroid and so forth, but it wasn't. I was going to say there was this really cool article about the dinosaur killing asteroid. Did you see that? It just came out like a few days ago. Yeah. We don't want to get into that. Okay. Anyway, but, but yeah, we we will be talking about that for a week. The level, the level of natural disaster of a sword plunging into the planet would have wiped out all life on it. But yeah. Yeah. We don't do that because it's cool in a video game and not, you know, mm-hmm. real. It's this is magic. Not World of Warcraft, the reality <laughs> simulator. I, no. I mean, uh, <laughs> just an example from the, the the stream that we're doing. I'm currently standing on a woman who is probably nine feet tall because I drank a potion that made me nine feet tall. Uh, <laughs> the, they don't make potions that do that. Like, you know, that's not something we can just do. But again, it's a fantasy game. Yeah. But that said. Would it be kind of cool if there was like if the moon we call a loon was in fact like a orbital weapons platform type thing the Titans made? It would be interesting and it could be done really cool. But my thing is I don't want a loon to be easily understood. No, I don't want them to come out and just say, oh, yeah, a loon's the Titan construct. I really don't want that. I like the idea that we don't know what a loon is and we've yet to Besides, find out. Besides, a loon is a Naru. No. Um, <laughs> anyway, a loon created the Naru, I guess, according to someone somewhere in a book in Karazhan. Yeah, someone wrote a book saying that. Yeah. And we just who went wrote with it, that? But... And who knew about the Naru? Like, I. Oh, okay. Anyway, I have so many problems with that, but it's just logic problems that I have with that. Regardless. As far as Alune goes, I feel like the moon and Alune are not the same things. I feel like maybe we call the moon that, but that's not necessarily what it is. I kind of like the idea of one of Azeroth's two moons, whether it's the larger one or the smaller one, being some kind of Titan facility. 
like an actual off-world Titan facility. I think that's sort of cool. And I say this as somebody who like just got done playing Final Fantasy IV and there's this whole sequence where you go to the moon and you do a bunch of stuff on there and there's like moon people and things. I think it would be cool if we had an expansion where we just went to the moon because why not? Um, but that's me. I think, though, I agree with you that a loon should be something intangible that isn't easily understood. Um, despite the columns that I have done where I'm like, oh, a loon is an Ario, ha ha ha, and, you know, evidence pointing to that. And I'm still, I'm still standing on the side of there is evidence pointing to this being a thing. Um, I still think it's kind of almost nicer that she remains a mystery. So, yeah. You got anything to add to that, Rossi? No, I think you pretty much covered it. I mean, I think it would be kind of cool if at some point something was going on in Azeroth and, like, you know, we cut to a scene of the moon cracking open and transforming into, like, Battle Maiden and the Loon. That would be kind of neat. But it would also be ridiculous. <laughs> so um, I'm not sure. You know, like, why didn't she do that when Sargeras was stabbing the planet? You know, I mean, you get to a certain point where you're like, I almost want it to stay a mystery just because otherwise it, it just raises too many questions. Like, what what were you waiting for? But but at the same why time, why didn't you intervene when the dragon came out? Like back then, because yeah. that would have been convenient, you know. Yeah, there's there's certain aspects to this that you know if it gets too ridiculous, you start having to like start having to hang a lot of scaffolding on it. So I'm okay with it not being there too. Okay, I think we've got time for one more email here, and I'm just going to jump to the last one on the list because it's a short question. This is from Thyro from Discord, who says, question. Do we have an explanation of why Death Knights are accepted by the Alliance and Undead are not? I know Death Knights have to prove their worth to be accepted, but eventually the King announces that you're worthy. Why won't they allow this with Undead? Potentially ignoring Before the Storm. That's a good well, question. Um... <laughs> Go ahead, Rossi. Well, I mean, for starters, Death Knights don't look as bad. Like <laughs> They aren't you... as decayed. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, if you look at most most undead, most death knights, at least the Alliance ones, they just look like members of their relative races. I mean, I've got a night elf death knight. She looks like a night elf. There's nothing about her looking there's at her. Some, there's like, no you way... know, glowing eyes. But beyond that, you know. Her eyes glow blue. So what? They're a different color than they usually glow. Uh, night, elf's, night elf eyes glow anyway. So it's not like that's, you know, to a certain degree, I don't think the average Stormwinder would know I wasn't just somebody in a lot of armor until I started talking. I mean, it's possible I also give off like a cold aura or something, but I think for most Death Knights, it's not as immediately obvious. Now there was certainly, you know, there was the reception in Stormwind where I was getting rotten fruit thrown at me, but that was a while ago. <clears throat> and that was during the time when the the Lich King was literally attacking. Keep in mind that Death Knights showed up right around the time that the Lich King was attacking both the Horde and the, and the Alliance, and they were pretty desperate. Because they so, were members of the Lich King's forces, but they had turned yeah. around and turned a new leaf. Yeah, so there's, there's a certain amount of desperation that got them in, and it's been long enough now that I think most people just kind of, like, don't know or don't really think too much about it. Like, why does that guy call himself a Death Knight, you know? Uh, the Horde ones, obviously, I think the fact that the Forsaken exists gets them in a lot easier, quite frankly. Uh, they could, if they're, if anyone knows they're undead at all, they can just play it off. Like, well, you know, so so what? So are the Forsaken. But for the Alliance, I definitely think it's a case of they got in at a very specific time. And keep in mind, in-game canon, there have been no new Death Knights. I know you just rolled one, but canonically, you didn't. Like, your character has been a Death Knight since the, you know, the... the 
the invasion of the the scourge uh, it's since arthas the, the death knight starting experience takes you back to that moment in time yeah. and that's technically where you started where you began so, yeah. you were a soldier it's, of arthas and then everything happened you turned on it yeah it's much the same as like when, when you're playing a demon hunter and you like basically start off as an enemy to both the alliance and the horde and then you you know go through that starting experience and you come in and you will always be coming in at that exact moment any new demon hunter you roll is coming in after the legion showed up you know and people are desperate like, why do we keep letting these demon worshipers into but the uh, the alliance before and horde? everything was all everything yeah. was all resolved you're you're in that moment of time yeah, so it's it's not that they 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 only have to justify it once. They don't have to justify it over and over again when new demon hunters show up because no technically speaking, no new demon hunters are showing up. It's just those ones. And I mean, it, that it, goes it, back to pretty much every new race though. It's not necessarily the new classes, it's the new races too because you look at the Pandaren, when you start with the Pandaren, you're starting prior to Mr. Pandaria you're starting right on the cusp of everything and you're starting in that moment of time where the floating island and the turtle Shenzhen Zhu was just discovered. It's the yeah, same thing with the worgen. The worgen, you get transported back to that day in Gilneas when everything went haywire or with the goblins on that day when Deathwing messed everything up and the volcano went off and all of a sudden you're stranded. It, yeah. It's They're pretty specific with it. Even the it's... allied races are like that. I yeah. mean, you're playing a you're playing a, a nightborn. Then your nightborn came in just after they dealt with everything, and the nightborn joined the horde. And you'll always be coming in at that point. So, like, for ten years down the road, that's still when your nightborn joins, unless they change it. But these things are part of. You kind of have to go along with them. The suspension of disbelief. It's just it's just easier. It's not like playing just any warrior. Like I can play a human warrior. I can say I just joined now if I want to, but I'm still going to be questing through all the old stuff. So it is one of those things to keep it's in mind. Still, it's still one of those things, though, like this question in particular, as far as why are Death Knights okay and the Forsaken are not, It to me that raises kind of logic questions that haven't really been addressed in-game. No, no, they haven't. Or they in kind the of... story. Because the thing is, is like, the backgrounds are similar. The Death Knights were raised by Arthas as servants of the Lich King and regained their free will to a point where they could turn on their former master and try and get their revenge. Well, that's kind of what the Forsaken did. They were originally citizens of Lordaeron that died when the Scourge hit. They were raised. They were servants of the Lich King and then they got their free will back. They may be more decayed, but it's the same concept. So that always kind of bothered me on one level or another. Really that it was like because it's just racism, really. It's just yeah, it's bigotry. Yeah. And it's bigotry that's understandable because a lot of these people, the last time they saw the, the undead members of their former families, they were trying to kill them. Yeah. Like it's one thing to say, you know, the Death Knight shows up and he's a sinister figure in his black armor and he's like, you know, got a room blade and he looks creepy. But it's another thing for a rotting corpse to chase you out of your home and try and eat you. And you only barely survive and you run all the way south and you tell everyone about the rotting corpse monsters up north and how it, your, your, your Emmy Jane turned into a monster and tried to kill you. And then the people are like, well, why don't we just forgive them? It's like, what? They tried to eat me. Meanwhile, the Death Knights show up and they're already speaking logic. Yeah, they're like, hi, I'm a Death Knight. Hi. <laughs> I'm not going to eat you. 
Yeah. I don't mind if you suffer all that much, but I'm not going to. It's okay, friend. You know, it's because well, I'm assuming the Death Knights aren't idiots. They didn't walk up to Stormwind going, Unholy Rahour is mine! <laughs> Look at my army of the dead! Can you leave the army of the dead outside of the city? All right. Can I bring, but can this I bring the gargoyle? I'm really attached to him. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps us up for emails, and that's going to wrap us for the uh, up for the show, too. Uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you, Anne. Uh, again, guys, if you have an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com subject line podcast to blizzardwatch so we know it's for this show. Uh, it's been kind of a day, really. It's been pretty busy, so thank you guys for being here with us, and uh, we'll be here next week. 